you for doing that. Well, I seem to have a reputation for speaking rather a lot. So you'll be pleased to hear that this morning uh, my sermon is rather short. So I'm sure you'll be glad to hear that. <laughs> we'll see, shall we? <laughs> uh, but uh, it's not even half past 11 and we've got to the sermon. So, uh, you know, your dinner might not even be cooked by the time you get home at this rate. So we come to week three in the series that we have entitled Face to Face with Jesus. And in the first week, Ruth looked at the baptism of Jesus and servanthood. Then last week, Keith looked at Jesus being Lord and King in a service in which we rededicated ourselves to this church and its activities. We also remembered the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us in taking away the sin of the world as we celebrated communion together. This week, the theme is light and life, and we begin to look at the start of Jesus' early ministry. The familiar passage in Isaiah, the people living in darkness have seen a great light that we had as our call to worship, and again was quoted in the passage read to us very nicely by Emma. Thank you very much uh, from Matthew. Now, this would have been very familiar to Jesus. As a Jew, this would have been read in the synagogue and taught to him as he grew up. On hearing of John the Baptist's arrest, Jesus left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum, about 20 miles further north. This became his home base during his ministry in Galilee. He may have moved there to get away from the intense opposition in Nazareth or to have an impact on a greater number of people. Capernaum was a busy place and his message could reach more people and spread more quickly in a big town or city. Well, whatever the reason he's moved to Capernaum, it fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah, which states that the Messiah would be a light in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the region of Galilee where Capernaum was located. Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the original 12 tribes of Israel. And by quoting from the book of Isaiah, Matthew continues to tie in Jesus' ministry to the Old Testament. This would have been helpful to his Jewish, Jewish readers, who would have been familiar with these scriptures as well. It also shows the unity of God's purpose as he works throughout the centuries. I wonder how his mother Mary felt at him leaving. The mother who had pondered all these things in her heart when her child was born in Bethlehem who knew that he was a child of God. Did she recognise that this was the start of his mission here on earth? Jesus was beginning to live out the prophecy of Isaiah. He is the light of the world who stepped down into darkness, as we sung at the beginning of the service. Interesting that the act of coming to earth from heaven is stated as stepping down into darkness. We on earth are in darkness, and we therefore need the light. Light. Fascinating. Amazing. It's also mentioned over 230 times in the Bible. Now, in physics, bear with me, light refers to electromagnetic radiation. Woo! The light we normally talk about in everyday life refers to the visible spectrum that part of the electromagnetic spectrum that the human eye can see. 
Other animals can see parts of that spectrum that humans can't. For example, a large number of insects can see ultraviolet light or UV light. UV light can be used to show things that the human eye can't see. It comes in particularly handy for forensic scientists, for example. Light also travels very, very fast. The speed of light is around 186,000 miles per second. Yeah, that'll get you a ticket. Waves, in, in, well, in some senses, it is waves. And its speed is the ultimate limit of velocity for all the matter in the universe. In other words, nothing can happen faster than light can travel. It's amazing. To put it into perspective, it takes one and a quarter seconds for light to travel from the Earth to the Moon. Or looking at it another way, if a clanger were to shine his torch at us, we would see it one and a quarter seconds later. <laughs> I don't likely, but there you go. The speed of light, however, is slowed down when it travels through different mediums, such as glass and water. It travels through glass at a mere 124,000 miles per second, and slightly slower again through water. But when light's movement is interrupted, it takes on the properties of matter and releases energy. Now that energy is the basis of all life on this planet. If we were to have somehow lose the light of the sun, this planet would become a dead rock. So when it says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, let there be light, God created this world in the right orbit, at just the right distance from the sun, not so close that it would be too hot, not too far away that it would be too cold, just the right position to provide the necessary conditions for life. The sun, or the light from the sun, provides and sustains life, not just for plants and flowers, but for everything, us included. We need the light. Light. Something that is amazing, fantastical, unique. So when Jesus says, as I quoted from John earlier in the service, I am the light of the world, it's worth remembering how amazing, fantastical and unique he is. He is also, therefore, the giver of life. New life in him. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. This Jesus, this light of the world, provides light and life to the world. He not only brings light into the darkness... He brings life to that which was dead. We are called to be light also. When we follow Christ, we also become light. This is picked up in Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 8 to 10. It says this, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You see, our behaviour comes from within. When we enter into a relationship with God, he gives us his spirit. He lives within us. In that way, we become his children in every way. We are his children because he has adopted us 
because he loves us. And we are his children because, in that sense, we have a bit of him inside us. It's almost as like his DNA has been infused into ours. It's interesting to note that Paul doesn't say, you should be light. Jesus didn't say, you should be light of the world. Paul said, you are light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So when we continue to behave like those who live in darkness, we are hiding the light that can transform the world. Without light, rather obviously, we will be in darkness. Shining a light, however, shows us everything. For instance, shining a torch into a dark cupboard. You can't see anything. And then you put the torch in and it's as clear as day. We see so much more in daylight than at night. Or have you ever sat in a room when the sun comes pouring in through the window, showing all the dust? Maybe you're better at uh, keeping on top of the cleaning. Imagine, though, for example, we're meeting here at 7.30 this evening, wintertime. It's dark, totally dark. Suddenly, all the lights go out. No emergency lighting, just total darkness. What happens when we're in the dark? Well, in the dark, we'd be stumbling around, bumping into chairs, bumping into each other, lost in utter chaos. Funny, isn't it? Everything changes when the sun shines or the lights are turned on. The whole world suddenly changes, though everything is the same. The world is still in darkness, but we are the light that can transform the world. The Holy Spirit makes us see things in a new perspective. It's how we see things that changes. Therefore, we must be faithful showing the Holy Spirit to work at building our character and so our behaviour can be improved. Let's be honest. We don't consider God every moment of our lives, do we? Well, we forget about God, the source of light and life. We allow ourselves into darkness. Sadly, some people in the world have allowed darkness in their lives to the degree that it actually destroys other people's lives. But we also know how amazing and unique each one of us is. But we, as in we as humans, have a problem. We are flawed. We allow the darkness into our lives. If we're not careful, darkness can overcome and overtake us. But the good news is, the good news is, God gave us Jesus. He stepped down from heaven and became the light to the darkness. He became human flesh to die for all our sins. All our darkness was taken on by Jesus Christ on that cross when he died. Jesus Christ took on the darkness for all of us. But because God is the source of light and life, God brought Jesus back to life for us. And he calls us to be light, to be good righteous, true and obedient to believe and follow him rather than turning our back on God and living a life of immorality 
and foul talk, lies and disobedience. We are to act as we are called to be, children of light. Well, turning to the second half of that Matthew reading, we see the familiar story of the calling of the first disciples. When we read this, I wonder what memories does this trigger for us? Being taught the story in Sunday school or junior church, if we attended, maybe colouring pictures of boats. Memories of our own calling, perhaps, to follow Jesus. How did we respond? Instantly, like those fishermen described in the passage, or more slowly over time? Jesus begins to bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this most Sundays and perhaps in our own daily prayer lives, in the Lord's Prayer. We did it earlier in the service. So what was it that drew the disciples to him so instantly? His presence must have been incredibly forceful. Is that how we perceive Jesus today? A magnetic presence in our lives that calls us simply to follow him and bring the kingdom of God on earth here, to the streets where we live, to the church here at Water Eaton? Isn't that what we rededicated ourselves to last week? Working for him, that his will be done through all the activities here at the Water Eaton Church Centre? spreading his light and love out to the community around us. Maybe is there more God maybe calling us to do? With apologies to John F. Kennedy, but is it a question of ask not what your church can do for you, but rather ask what you can do for your church? Just as Jesus called those first disciples, he calls us. It doesn't have to be anything huge or big. It doesn't have to be standing up here at the front, for example. It could be making the teas or coffee. Sometimes the smallest things can have the biggest impact. We all contribute to his kingdom. But we're also taught to be mindful of fixing our eyes solely on Jesus and not on others' interpretation of him. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul urges the church in chapter 1 to be in agreement with one another and not to be divided over who they are following. He makes it clear it is only Jesus Christ that we are to follow. Do we know Jesus and our Bibles well enough to fix our eyes on him? There are many Bible aids to help us. Maybe we don't know where to start. And then if you're in that position, have a chat with somebody. Or maybe we've been using the same notes for a long, long time. Is it time for a change? What is important is that we spend time with him. We live in a world full of darkness. But when we fully welcome Jesus, we welcome God's light, God's kingdom here on earth. We become the light and then play our part in fully establishing his kingdom. Maybe you haven't thought about it before. But the only way to enlighten is to be light. Question is, are you up for that? Amen. Let us pray. Father, you are light and you live in us. Make us transparent so everyone can see your light through us. 
For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing now. Please stand to sing.